and in and of itself, it's much broader than that mere term there. Another that I looked at said uh, uh, a deacon is a minister or ministry of a service. And so we could see perhaps a lot more if we wanted to take the time just to examine everything that we might be able to find concerning the word deacon today. The word deacon as it is translated in the New Testament comes from a Greek word uh, that is uh, the Greek word dakonos. Uh, and, and really this word is a, is a group of words or group of meanings. Uh, and uh, if we were to closely examine everything in the scripture about it, uh, we would see that it is most often, it is most often used and translated into some kind or some form of the word servant. Uh, for example, it speaks about Jesus coming to be a servant, taken from this uh, family of, of words. It speaks about a congregation of believers all being servants or all being deacons in the sense that it uses uh, the word there. Uh, it speaks about uh, uh, people doing special assignments on various occasions, or having special talents perhaps, as being a servant, uh, and coming from the same root word. But when we talk about deacons generally in the church today, we're talking about the office of the deacon that is described for us in the Word of God. A special servant, if you please. Uh, and that is verified for us when we look at 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, beginning uh, in verse 1. And you might want to open your Bibles there with me. And let's just look at that passage just for a moment. For here in this passage, we're going to see uh, described there the qualifications for both the office of an elder... Uh, and the office uh, of a deacon. Now, we're not going to be engaged in a study of these qualifications tonight, so uh, don't be concerned that I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about the qualifications of elders and deacons, but I introduce or I present this passage merely in support of the idea uh, that in New Testament times, in Bible times, there was that organization within the church that included the office of a deacon. And here, as Timothy writes this, he describes some qualifications for both of those. Now, I'm not going to read all of it, but just open your Bible there to 1 Timothy, the third chapter. And uh, verse 1 begins by saying uh, this is a trustworthy statement or saying the, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of the overseer, he desires a noble task. Now, are you reading from another translation? Uh, he that desires the office of an elder, uh, it uses the term uh, overseer here. And then he goes into some of the description of the qualifications that one must possess in order to hold the office uh, of, of an, an elder here. And then if you go down in verse 8 with me, you will notice that he says, deacons likewise... 
And uh, then he goes into a a description of some of the qualifications that, uh, that were required for one to have in order to serve in this special servant position uh, that was called a deacon. It appears uh, from a study of the scriptures that, uh, that deacons were present in many congregations. Uh, most always uh, we find a, a, a pairing of the deacon with the oversight of the elders or with, with the elders and suggesting uh, that uh, the, the two offices were, were, though not on what we might term an equal basis, that they were both offices that was within the organization of the individual congregation of God's people. In Philippians, the first chapter, there as, uh, as Paul introduces that letter, uh, he starts out in verses 1 and 2, and he said uh, it was Paul and Timothy that uh, was uh, he, that were doing the, the, the greeting here. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the elders and deacons. And so he identifies three specific groups here uh, within the individual congregation. He first identifies the saints, which would be the broad uh, uh, concept of all of the members of the body, including the elders and the deacons there. And then he specifically makes mention of the elders or the overseers, depending on translation that you might be using. Uh, he includes the elders and the deacons. So these two passages are suggestive of the fact that there was within the framework of the New Testament church the office of a deacon. The office of a deacon. It is not in the whole generic sense that we're speaking of it. Uh, for as we've already said, you might be covered under the broad umbrella of the term deacon, but we're speaking now of a specific uh, servant, a specific servant assigned to a specific job, as we'll uh, note uh, in, in just a moment. As we, as we look at... Uh, Acts the 6th chapter, and if you have your Bibles, open them there to the 6th chapter of the book of Acts. It appears that we're going to see the first time that deacons were chosen to serve within the church. I said, it appears. Now, at least it's the first time that we have record of it in the Bible. It's possible that there could have already been assignments of deacons to some other task, but God chose through the inspiration of the Scriptures to, to give us this example of where special servants were chosen for a special job. So let's turn there to Acts the 6th chapter, and we're going to take time now to read this and to note some of the things that would have been included within the things that we're talking about here in Acts 6. Now, uh, keep in mind that uh, uh, the, the church was growing. Uh, I don't know exactly how long we're removed from Pentecost here. The scripture doesn't give me a way to 
to make that timeline uh, such that I can say this is th- three months after, or this is five months after. It just doesn't allow me that. But the scriptures have given me some quick insights to the fact that the church was growing rapidly. In Acts 2 and verse 41, it tells us that on the day of Pentecost, there were some 3,000 that were added to the church on that day. Then if we go over to Acts the fourth chapter in verse 4, it tells us that the number was 5,000 men. Uh, It doesn't specifically say besides the women and children, but 5,000 men, and it would of course infer that there would have been members that would have been female here, and so the number was growing rapidly from 3,000. Now we're above uh, 5,000, and the number probably is double that at this time. And then if we go on over to the fifth chapter and verse 14, it simply refers to the number being multitudes. Now, whether that was now up to 20,000 or 30,000 or 15,000, I don't know the exact number there. But the church was quite large at this time, wasn't it? Now we have a number of around 350 on Sunday morning and we would be considered today in a rural situation or rural setting like Savannah is to be a large congregation. It's hard to keep up with 350 people. Imagine the task now that the apostles were having in dealing with the church in Jerusalem that could have numbered Now I'm saying I'm emphasizing that, it's a speculation, could have numbered uh, more than 20,000 people. Uh, Where there are people, there will always be situations arise. Uh, Where there are people, there will be things that have to be attended to. There will be physical tasks that will have to be done. And so it was here in the church. I want to read this in the sixth chapter now. If you'll read with me in Acts 6, and we're going to read down through verse 6, beginning in verse 1. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned uh, the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should be giving up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose. And he goes on and he names seven men here that were chosen uh, to serve in this capacity. And it said in verse 6, these they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Now there are a lot of things that that passage doesn't say. It doesn't say that these people were chosen to be deacons, does it? Uh, We have to make that assumption by looking at the whole spectrum of the term deacon throughout the scriptures. We've already looked at a couple of passages there that suggest that they were uh, that deacons were a part of uh, the organization. I think it a pretty safe assumption to 
to, to call these people deacons on this occasion right here. I think they were on pretty solid ground uh, to assume that they were. Now what happened? Well, a need arose here uh, that had to be handled. It was a physical need. It was a physical need. Now keep in mind the setting of the church at this time. People had come from distant places uh, to Jerusalem to observe the day of Pentecost. Now many of those people had been converted. They apparently, many of them stayed uh, in Jerusalem rather than going back to their their homes. They had come from many different parts of, of, of uh, the area around the Mediterranean Sea, uh, traveled some of them great distances to get there, and they had been converted to the gospel and they wanted to stay, no doubt, and learn more. Now, I don't know all of the circumstances there, but it speaks about the fact earlier here that they had all things in common. Uh, they were having to uh, feed a large number of these people because they were not in their homes. And there was a group that felt like they were being neglected. Where we have people, even in the church today, there are going to always be situations like this. And so uh, the apostle said, well, it's not practical. It's not practical for us to try to handle all of the situations and all of the needs that exist within the church. So we're going to pick out a group of men that are going to take care of this problem. Do you remember back in the Old Testament when the children of Israel had had left Egypt and uh, they were in the wilderness wandering now and uh, Moses' father-in-law came to visit him. Do you remember that in the 18th chapter of uh, the book of Exodus? <clears throat> and uh, what was Moses doing? Well, he would get up early in the mornings and he would go out and he would sit in judgment for the people. They had problems just like we have problems today. They had circumstances arise where they had to settle differences between them and uh, just to maybe put it in a little terms that we understand Moses was wearing himself out trying to deal with all of these problems because he was trying to handle all of them himself his father-in-law came and he said Moses and I'm, I'm, I'm really putting this in our terms today he said you're, you're wearing yourself out doing this he said you can't be the judge over all these pick out some other people to help you with it and so I'm not going to dwell long on the story you know what happened Moses did and they made judges over 50s and they made judges over various numbers there and uh, it relieved him of some of the burden now We've got a congregation of 300 people here, as I said a while ago. A lot of circumstances arise that have to be attended to. A lot of things need to be attended to on a regular basis. And just as it was here on this occasion with the feeding of these widows, it was not practical for the apostles who were the leaders of the church at that time to handle all of them. And so it appears to me that God has established this office within the church today to 
assist the elders uh, with the, the task that, uh, that do not relate uh, necessarily on a daily basis to the spiritual aspects of, of the church. These people were chosen, these seven men were chosen uh, to handle a specific problem. As I've already said, we generally refer to them as the first deacons, although uh, it is not said of such in the in the writings of the scriptures. But so that brings us to the question today. Then, what are the roles uh, of the deacons within the church today? Well, I believe that from the evidence that we see through the scriptures of Acts 6 and also of uh, the other passages that we have noted, that God has set in order in this time today the office of a deacon uh, under the guidance of the oversight of the elders to take care of certain tasks that need to be handled within the church. You might put it in these terms. It's the selection of qualified men to be in charge of getting specific tasks done. The specific task of those here in Acts 6 was to feed the Grecian widows. Why did they choose seven deacons to do that? I don't know. I assume that that's the number that was needed. I assume the task would have been too big for one. I assume the task was not large enough that they needed 20. I assume that they made a selection based on reasonable judgment uh, to select seven men to take care of the task. Did the seven men do all the work? I doubt it. I'm sure that these seven men... Uh, solicited the help of a lot of people. I don't know how many Grecian widows were being neglected. Bible doesn't choose to, or God didn't choose to tell me that in the Bible. Uh, he just told us that there was a problem and here's the way they solved the problem. Now I want you to be sure that you understand. I want you to be sure you understand that when they made that selection, they selected qualified men for a specific job. Now how do I know that they selected qualified men? Well the scripture tells me that. Notice as we read that, he said, down and look at verse 3 of chapter 6, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good report. Godly men. He's talking about godly men there. Full of the Spirit. Again, talking about godly men. When we looked over there in 1 Timothy, the third chapter, God, through His wisdom, gave us what He termed godly men to be in this particular task. He gave us the qualifications of this deacon. And we're not going to get into a study of that. But He also suggests here that they were to pick out men that were full of wisdom. Now, before you can have wisdom, you've got to have knowledge. So, uh, it's, it is, uh, I believe, established there that these men had to have knowledge within the area of where they were working. They wouldn't have wanted me to have the task of feeding that large number of people. I don't have the knowledge. 
knowledge of how it ought to be done. I would not have been qualified for that. Uh, it would have been a failure. So he suggested that these men were qualified both spiritually and secularly in being able to do the job. They were familiar with what it took to get the job done. I believe that that is still true in selecting deacons today. That God's assignment for us today is to select men that are godly, to select men that are qualified for the task that they are uh, being selected with. The second thing that I would point out about the selection of these deacons on this occasion, believe it to be true today, they were selected with the approval of the body as a whole. They were selected with the approval of the body as a whole. They were going to be servants, not only under the guidance of the elders, but they were going to be servants to the congregation. Uh, in this task that they were doing, they took the load off of the leaders of the church at that time. Today, deacons take the load off, and these are just plain old common terms that we use every day so that you can understand what I'm trying to say to you. They take the load off of the elders by taking care of tasks that are assigned to them, specific tasks that are assigned to them by the elders. They are the leaders in charge of getting that task done. The office of a deacon is not a... Uh, it's not uh, an office that uh, you just get because you're a good person. It's an office that you're appointed to because you are a qualified person. And you're appointed to uh, a task that needs to be done. And so we don't go and just select uh, uh, 20, uh, 20 deacons to serve the congregation. We select the number of deacons that we need to take care of the tasks that are before us. Now we could spend some time talking about the various tasks that deacons are assigned today. Look at the deacons within our congregation. We have deacons that are in charge of our uh, organizing our worship service on Sunday morning. That is making sure this person is doing this task, this person is doing this task, and it all goes together in a, an order, orderly way. A very needed position and, and one that uh, can be handled uh, by uh, someone uh, with the knowledge to do that. Uh, we have deacons that, uh, uh, that work with our youth group. Uh, we have deacons that, uh, uh, that work in our bus ministry. Uh, we have deacons that, uh, uh, that work on our building maintenance and keeping our building uh, in, in the condition that it needs to be uh, for us to have a comfortable place to worship. We could talk about all of those, and I'm not going to try uh, to go in, uh, uh, to in, in detail anymore. So what are we talking about when we talk about a deacon today? We're talking about a servant. But we're talking about a person 
who is taking on the task of being a special servant for a specific job, an assigned task under the leadership and the guidance of our elders today in order that they might take the burden off of them and allow them to spend more time in their job of overseeing the spiritual welfare as well as the physical welfare of our congregation as a group of people today. You'll see the word used in various ways. But we're specifically speaking about the office of a deacon tonight. For example, you could even use the word deacon uh, in most of the cases where we use the word servant today. That's one of the ways that it was, uh, one, uh, one place uh, especially that it was used was it with Dorcas, who was a, a deacon uh, in the church. That is, she was a servant, uh, a servant uh, in much the way that we refer to people as being servants, not one who held the office of special assignment here for God in his, in his wisdom, uh, and I have to say in his wisdom because God is so far above me that it's compared with the heavens and the earth, uh, God chose men to do this job. I'll not debate that and I'll not uh, uh, get into a long discussion. of. But I hope these have helped you to understand just a little bit about the term uh, deacons. A little bit difficult to a little bit different, not difficult, a little bit different preparing a sermon like this on our one word study, but I hope that you've gotten something from that study and the things that we've presented here this evening. It may be that you're here tonight and you've never become a member of the body of Christ. You've never become a servant within the Lord's kingdom. You've never been baptized for the remission of your sins. There'd be no better time and tonight for you to do that. Have you heard God's Word? Surely you have. I hope that you've heard God's Word. God's Word is not difficult. Uh, that is, when we start talking about the things that God wants us to do to become a part of His kingdom. We hear His Word. We must believe that Word. Uh, there's no other name given among men whereby we might be saved than, other than the name of Jesus and the gospel. Jesus Christ recorded for us in the pages of this book we call the Bible. You've heard the word, you believe the word, uh, you're willing, you're willing to uh, confess your faith in Jesus Christ uh, as the very Son of God, willing to confess by doing that that He is the very source of your salvation. That He is the very source of your salvation. There's no other way to obtain it than through Jesus Christ. And then you're willing to repent of your sins. When we repent, we turn away from our old life of sin. We give up whatever was there that's wrong. We add to our lives whatever needs to be added that we might be right in the sight of God. We're willing to obey the teachings of God's Word. And then we're baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins in water. Buried in water as Jesus was, as He died uh, physically, we die to sin. We're buried in water as He he was buried in the tomb and rise from that water a new creature in Christ Jesus just as he arose from the grave a spiritual being that was now seated at the right hand of God if you're subject to the Lord's invitation tonight we plead with you come and let us assist you right now as we stand